0: to when your RFM's guarding talk back. And we've got Mitchell from the North, and he's got some issues with his buffalo lawn. How can we help with it, Mitch?
1: Hi, how are you going? Um, I recently put down some new uh, buffalo turf about a month or so ago, and um, it's died back. It's got a lot of dead stuff in it coming up, and the leaves have got little spots on them. Could I have a
2: fungus in that lawn? Yeah, look, that's entirely possible. I mean, in a way, you've put it down, uh, at, you know, at the right time because we've had plenty of rain since you put it down and that's what lawns need, you know, heaps and heaps of uh, of water to get their root system because it's just been literally, you know, sort of cut off. They so get this funny-looking machine that comes in and, and just cuts this little layer, uh, you know, like a, you know, a brownie or something like that and just cuts this beautiful thin layer off for like a piece of slice, that's what I was thinking about because he did some baking yesterday. So Yeah, yeah we yeah. didn't do hot chips or anything like that. We just did um, brownies. Um, but uh, so it's just cut it off. It's cut off all the root system, and uh, so water's fantastic for it. But it has been very very humid, and it could be that yes, you have got a fungal disease. You can get dollar spot on them and other sorts of fungal diseases. Yep. Uh, so look, go and get some sort of fungicide. Usually the one you need is called Mancazer Plus. And plus, and yes. spray that all over the lawn, and hopefully that will get it under control for you. Look, uh, there has been army grub around as well. Uh, a yes. bit, bit funny to find it in new turf like that, but you know it's entirely possible. Uh, and yeah, I've the... sprayed for the grub a uh, couple of times. Okay, yes. well that, that's really good, yeah, because that it sort of manifests itself as a, as a patch spreading out. But uh, sounds like if you've got those little spots all over the leaves, it's going to be some sort of fungal disease. So yeah, man, because yes. plus should uh, clear it up for you, mate. Okay,
0: great. Thank you. Okay, thanks for that, Mitch. Bye. Cheers. Cheers, Mitch. If you do have any questions, you can give us a call on 49216216. And you've got a couple of flowers there for us today. Uh, yes,
2: I thought uh, Phlox Mini Pearl. Phlox Mini Pearl? Yeah. M-I-N-N-I-E. So I suspect it's named after someone, the mini part. Phlox, uh, Phlox with yeah, our famous it? Phlox. <laughs> well, there must be someone called Mini out there. That's quite a nice name, isn't it? Mini. Yeah.
0: Well, I suppose Mini Pearl would have been a fairly
2: popular name. Yeah, that's back true. Back in the day? Yeah, back in the day. Where have all those great old names gone to, like Greg and Gary and Barry? No one ever calls their kids those names anymore. Well, you're looking at one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, thanks. <laughs> thanks for not even remembering my name. <laughs> Ah, uh, your, your mum and dad were way ahead of their time oh, when they yeah. named you.
0: Way in behind the times.
2: <laughs> anyway, Phlox and Mini Pearl, it only gets about 30 centimetres high, but it will spread out quite some distance, about half a metre. In fact, loves being out in the full sun. So it's sort of uh, a ground cover, but not quite a ground cover because it'll give you a, a little bit of height. Uh, now, it flowers quite a lot, and it's got beautiful sort of white flowers up on a stem, and they're like a, a little cluster. So you get plenty of flowers out of those. Look, they're quite mildew resistant, so they're fantastic uh, here in Newcastle. Uh, I guess you could use them for cut flowers if you wanted to, but they're really good in that sort of rockery cottage garden if you just want to cover a whole spread of ground sort of thing. Look, the other great thing about them is there's so many flowers on there. They're going to attract the butterflies. They're going to attract the bees. and uh, you know, So you're going to have a really nice uh, little area, a little bit of height, and yep. just a pure white flower on them. So that's Phlox Mini Pearl. Uh, really easy to look after. Stops flowering after a while. Give it a cut back. You'll get yep. a really good flush of new growth coming back and all will be well. Oh, very good. Yeah, nice dry spot. And we've got Wayne from Curry. and it seems like he's got some witchetty grubs
0: and crickets hanging around his veggie garden.
2: Go, mate. How can we help you?
0: Hello, Scott. How are you
2: going? Yeah, pretty well.
1: Yeah, every time I... Like, I've just put new veggies in the garden, and every time I go to dig in there, I always, you know, like a, a one shovelful... I'll probably get four or five witchetty grubs. So mm. just,
2: I've never seen so many. Yeah, so look, they, they are not good for your, uh, for your plants there, mate. They're especially okay. bad in pots. They're not actually witchetty grubs. They're actually uh, the pupa of the black beetle. Uh, right. So a, we call them a chafer grub. Uh, and they do, they start out really small. And those big fangs yeah. that you see on the front of them, mate, they're in there eating the root system of your plants away. Um, okay. And that's, so you'll find that uh, you know, if it's hot, they'll just really easily keel over on you. Yep. Uh, mate, look, if they're in pots, they do a tremendous amount of damage. So you see, they just get laid in there. Yeah,
1: there's so
3: many of them.
2: Yeah, and then they just hatch away, and uh, they just chomp, 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 chomp. And look, the only way to really get rid of those is to uh, make up a drench in a watering can. So you get a product right. uh, like Comfidor. Okay. And you, uh, you mix that up, and you just drench it down through the soil in the area, and that will get rid of them for you.
1: Um, will that help with the crickets too? The crickets uh, are actually in the
2: soil too. Yeah, that, that probably won't. Uh, you, there are other products you could use. You could get an army grub uh, type killer if you wanted to. And that would okay. probably get rid of both of them as well. So that'll get rid of the crickets and the, uh, the chafer grubs for you as well.
1: Okay, what was the name
2: of that? Uh, look, you can get any of those You know, lawn black beetle killers and they okay. should do the job for you.
4: Thank okay, you very but much. yeah, the most
2: important thing: mix it up in the water and can drench it yep. down right through, and uh, off you go. That should get rid of them for you.
1: Thank you, buddy.
2: Okay, thanks for that, Wayne. You have a good day. You too. You have a good afternoon. I didn't realize bugs had chafing problems. Well, I mean, when you see them, mate, they're they're not very uh, good-looking creatures. They no. and they come out and they curl up. So I guess they would have a little bit of chafing, chafing A bit yeah. of powder for them would be nice. A little bit of talcum powder probably wouldn't hurt them at all. <laughs> but, mate, you, they, when you see them, they've got big pincers at the front, and uh, I don't think they'll bite. But uh, you know, they just look a bit nasty. Yeah. If I find them in a pot, I'll just toss them out in the road or something and let the okay, or you know, not the road. So eat okay. you know, onto the lawn or something and, and let, let nature take it, its course. Let nature take its course. See what comes down. swoops
0: down from the sky. Keep the magpies happy. They certainly like them. Very good, because that way, when sweeping season comes in, they're not going to swoop you. They'll, re- they'll remember. They'll remember, like, yeah, hey, he's a good bloke. Exactly. <laughs> now, Scott, you've got a bundle of flowers around you this morning, and you're going to throw to another one.
2: That's the jewels? Yes, the Tibuchina jewels. Okay. Yeah, people often think that it's uh, native to up around Alstonville. Yep. Uh, you know, up in that north coast area, where they're getting plenty of rain at the moment. Uh, a lot of rain. A lot of rain, yeah. But it, it's in fact not native to up there. Well, it sort of is. sort of is Tibituna jewels. It's the dwarf one that you're seeing out in flower at the moment. It only gets to about a metre, a metre and a half. It's not a very big, uh, tall-growing plant. So it's ideal for, a, a, you know, I've actually seen them growing really well in clay spots as well, in heavy clay. So oh, right. Yes, yeah, so ideal little plant for that. Heaps of colour at the moment. So, look, they sort of are native to up that area because the fellow, a fellow who lived up there actually sort of hybridised it from the larger-growing one uh and, and that's where these um these plants sort of become popular up there you see a lot of them planted up there they're actually from Brazil though Oh, okay. Yeah, so actually from South America, but uh, a fellow up there actually hybridised a whole lot of them, and uh, we got Tipuchoina Jules, and we got Tipuchoina Austinville, which is the uh, the very tall growing one, gets to about three to four metres tall. But It's not a bad plant. The great thing about them, uh, if they do get a bit too tall and straggly, uh, you give them a very very heavy cut back, and they will just spring back to life almost from down at ground level again for you, and you get a really nice uh, sort of green uh, bush coming back. You know, nice and uh, nice new shoots coming up there. if they do get a bit woody on you, but again, Tibicina Jules, uh, the low-growing one, a really great little plant. Uh, just a massive flower. It doesn't get too big, and like I said, I have seen it in growing in incredibly uh, clay-type soils. So uh, yeah, very very good. So plant. it can pretty much grow anywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's going to grow in clay, that is one of the biggest. Uh, issues for plants uh, you know growing in clay areas yep. uh, because their roots get out into that really heavy compacted soil there 's very little uh, uh, you know, nutrient in there and very little organic matter uh, they, It holds a lot of water and it all ca- also can dry out and get cracks in it. Uh, you know in the summer months so clay is a very very hostile environment for plants to grow the only thing you can really do is add gypsum in there liquid clay breaker try and get some organic material digging manure in there and look a bit of elbow grease as well when you're digging the hole for the old plant uh, you know to try and break up that clay as much as possible and get some you know better soil into that area for the plant at least to have a head start and see if it's you know roots can sort of break down through that clay and get into something more decent Fair enough. So the jewel looks pretty and it's tough.
0: It is tough. It will survive in clay conditions. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you can get some clay out and throw it in.
2: Yes. <laughs> the only thing about it, it's a very, it's a funny, it's a little brittle plant. So you know the 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 wood on it is very, actually very brittle. So you can break it very easily. But you know that's not you know a really big issue. You know you're not going to be stomping on your plants all the time. So just stay away and give it a prune every now and again. What are you stomping on your plants? For? I don't know. It was just a thought because I have just have noticed that the, the timber can be very
0: brittle. Oh, okay. It. Yeah. Unless you have elephants in the area, you should be fine. Keep those away. <laughs> and we've got Frank from Bellbird, and he's got a question about his lawn and also a lily-pilly. How can we help you
2: with them, Frank?
1: G'day, mate. Um, my lawn, I've got two areas in my lawn, probably three metres by four metres in one area and uh, two metres by about ten metres on the front lawn. Uh, has just gone dead. And I'm thinking it's army grub.
2: I'm thinking at the moment, mate, it probably is going to be army grub. It's still around. It's still doing a lot of damage. Uh, Look, the only thing you can do for that is uh, go and get, uh, you know, an army grub, uh, lawn grub spray, and, uh, you know, either drench that or spray that into the area and get rid of it. And then the most important thing after that is to grab some sea salt and start using that because sea salt promotes the root growth of the lawn. So it'll help build that, that up and get it ready for winter again.
1: I don't think this is going to come back, Scott.
2: Oh, OK. Look, mate- because the
1: other day when it rained pretty heavy, because yeah. we're in a bit of a flood area here in Bellbird, mm-hmm. and the water was just rushing down and the, gro- the ground is just bare. But what I did, I hit it with some lime, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm hoping uh, when's the right time to top-dress it a bit and reseed it
2: yeah uh, look unfortunately, top dress now uh really no, I wouldn't do it now well, no, you wouldn't do it now, probably not all the way until August again mate uh Right-o, yep, yeah yep, you'd yep, only, yep. If, you, if you did have existing lawn there and it looked all right, give it a could give it a very light top dress now, but if it's if it's as you say uh, i would be leaving it alone now uh, mate look i'd I'd go and grab some of that that salt because you'd need to if if there is anything left there, it's going to be down there in the root system I've and have got some
1: sea yeah, there so, but I'll also get the the uh
2: the uh, poison for it. Yeah. Okay. And just Why hope they that. Call that? Uh, look, it's a, you're just army grub killer, lawn grub killer. You should be able to find that. Yeah, I'll get it down at Bunnings. Yep.
1: Okay, mate. Right now, the lily pilly. When's the right time to to prune that back?
2: Uh, look, uh, you could do it now. You'd only do it lightly, yeah. You know, because you're not going to get very much growth now right. coming yeah, there. Yeah. So again, uh, you know, as it gets cooler and cooler, you know, I guess the the cooler it gets, uh, the less uh, you know you're going to prune it. Uh, so, you know, you'd give it its heaviest prune if you wanted to back in August again when you know that there's going to be some new uh, new growth coming on It's going to warm up.
1: So it looks like I'm going to be busy around August,
2: doesn't it? Oh, everyone's busy around spring, mate, especially the birds and the bees. Yeah.
1: Okay, mate, thank you.
2: Okay, you, you
1: have a good uh, one, Enjoy Frank. your show.
2: Okay, thank you very much, mate. Bye. Cheers.
0: Cheers, Frank. We've got Nolene now from Jasmine. She's got a question about Fiddler's Leaf Tree.
2: How can we help you with it, Nolene?
5: Oh, good morning. Good afternoon, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. I have a fiddler's leaf tree. It's very old. It would be in excess of 30 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I have, transplanted, I have transferred it into larger pots. Mm-hmm. But I was on vacation, and I think it was a little bit stressed. It didn't get enough water. And I lost a lot of leaves off the tree. Mm-hmm. Now, my question is, with all those branches coming up, and only a meagre amount of leaves on the top, am I able to cut that back? Will it regenerate? Or are the branches too old and woody?
2: No, no, they they, they should regenerate. What I would do, though, depends how sort of neglected it got while you're away, Mm. just maybe get your secateurs and just start pruning down from the tips just to see if it's still green in there. Uh, but if you know if it's hard wood and it's it's gone quite dead, uh, then you can keep on pruning down until you find the the green t- uh, timber again, and that's when you'd le- that's when you'd leave it, and let it spring back from there. Uh, fiddle leaf figs have become really popular again in the last twelve months. So mm. you've had one for thirty years. Sounds like it's come around back into oh, fashion again for you.
5: It's part of the family. Actually. Oh,
2: fantastic. <laughs> And the fa- and look, the fact that you've kept it going for that long, that's, that's, you know, real credit to you for that one. Yeah. Uh, look, again, don't ever plant them outside in the ground because they become quite large trees. No. Uh, so they are something that you just try and keep in a pot in a well-lit spot uh, indoors. But look, hey, who am I telling you? You know all about it if you've been oh, one for 30 years.
5: No, not at all. I just loved it. And it is undercover. Yeah, yeah. And um, it just gets a little bit of sunshine in the afternoon.
2: Yeah, no, that sounds perfect but, um, for it.
5: I love it. And I'd hate to lose part
2: of my family. <laughs> yeah, look, at it. just, just give, it a, you know, give it that good water again. Uh, don't right. worry about fertilising at the moment because the plant really can't use that fertiliser when there's no leaf structure on there. Mm. And, and like I said, just give it that prune back down through the tips and see when you get to the green timber and uh, stop there. And hopefully right. it'll, uh, you know, might, you might give a quick prune and find, oh, wow, it's still green all the way up the top. So you could just leave it if you wanted to and the plant mm. would just regenerate anyway.
5: The leaves that are on it are quite glossy.
2: Mm-hmm. And beautiful. Yes, yeah, they, look, but, they really do look beautiful. Uh, they start out that, you know, that limey green when they're yes, quite fresh and then they, they, they darken dark. up and they get really, really big on there. I mean, what are they? I guess they probably get on, almost a foot across, sort of thing. They're very, oh, yes, very large leaves on the filler yeah. leaf fig, yeah. All right, then.
5: Well, I'll try that. Okay. Thank you very much for your
2: time. Okay, good luck with it, Nolan.
5: Okay, bye. Bye-bye.
2: 30 years. That's quite impressive. That's uh, almost as old as me and younger than. You or did I get that the right way around? Then trying no. to pay you a compliment. No, I, oh, was that a compliment? Was that, was, it? that was meant to be a compliment, Greg.
0: Oh, okay, well, it's, you're still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Who named you, Greg? My parents did. Oh, okay. Why? Most parents do. I suppose they do. Why, Greg, in particular? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. It might have been because of Greg Chapel. Well, thinking that a bit, yeah, it yeah, could be. It could be. I can't think of any other famous Gregs from the 70s. He didn't bowl, bowl the underarm one, though. No, his brother did. His he told brother. him to do it. Oh, okay. Just as bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he thought about it. You're a bad bunch, you Gregs. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's a price you pay sometimes. We don't, we don't like losing. <laughs> it's a gardening talkback on 2 and Rfm. Any questions, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got John from Waratah, he's got a question about his magnolia. How can we help you with it, John?
3: Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, my question is, we've just been away for a holiday for four weeks, come back, and the magnolia, I don't know, it was doing reasonably well, I thought. But I come back and all the leaves have gone, turned sort of up a little bit and
2: they've gone brown. Yeah. Okay. Look, well, we'll, firstly, John, thank you very much for regarding us as gentlemen. We'll take that praise when we can get it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, secondly, mate, what sort of magnolia is it? Is it the deciduous one uh, or is it the evergreen one, you know, like with the glossy? it's It's
3: an evergreen
2: one. An evergreen one. Okay. So you think it's just dried out. Have you got it in a pot or in the ground, mate?
3: No, it's in the ground, out the front of the yard. It only yeah. gets the late afternoon sun. Wow. Or mid-afternoon sun, and it's absolutely... I'm, I'm, I'm used. I just don't know what's happening.
2: Yeah. Now, now was that a new plant you'd put in, or has it been there for some nah, time?
3: It's about... Uh, Six
2: years old oh okay, so it 's been there for some time, uh, yep. because look if it was a new plant, it may well have just dried out uh, you know because the root system hadn 't spread out, but if it 's been there for for six years that's that 's quite old uh, look the only thing that that you know for something like that to go bad really, really quickly uh, you know it may have been sprayed by someone accidentally. Uh, Uh, You know, it could have some sort of insect on there. Uh, Look, the only way you're going to find out about that is by grabbing, you know, a couple of pieces of it and uh, taking it in uh, to your local garden centre and let them have a look and see what... What they can get uh, if they can find something on there uh, magnolia cool. little gems can get a, a funny sort of mite on them, and it just uh, manifests itself as a little like pinpricks almost on the leaf doesn't, they don 't go right through, but it just looks like yep. something 's been stinging away there and then the leaf sort of cur- it doesn 't curl up, it just sort of puckers up and gets a funny shape to it. So, mate, if if there are still some leaves there, some green leaves on there, I'd grab a couple of those, take them to your local garden centre and see if they can identify the problem for you. And I have seen that happen with them where they will defoliate uh, because of that.
3: Okay. Well, that is the problem. It's just all of a sudden they they are sort of turned up. But Anyway, uh, fair enough, I'll do that. But uh, can I ask you a little question about tipicina? Absolutely is it too late to prune them because I, I have been away for a month and uh, this one is absolutely, it flowers all year round. It, mm-hmm. it really amazes me. And uh, it, now it's starting to grow into the neighbour's yard a bit, so I thought I'd oh, like Okay.
2: Yeah, look, again, uh, a light prune at this time of year, any heavy prune is going to take some time to come back. I mean, it might be that you want to do it that way, uh, you know, to keep it out of the neighbour's yard for as long as possible. Uh, so, yeah. look, yeah, you can certainly give it a heavy prune if you want to. It's not going to kill the plant, uh, but it's yep. just going to take it a bit longer to come back. You know, it's starting to yeah, it's starting to shut down a little bit now as we go into autumn and winter. Uh, I guess like all of us are, you know, we had a, an inside day <laughs> yesterday when it was raining yep. and a bit cold, so I think we're yep. all a bit like that, and your chain is like that as well. Okay. I
3: well, Thank you very much for your,
2: your help, not, not a problem, and we thank you again for regarding us as gentlemen. <laughs>
3: well, I'll, I'll try and do it next time. <laughs> Bye then. Thank okay, you. Okay, have
2: a good afternoon, John. Cheers,
0: John. We've got Frida now from Fennel Bay, and she's got a question about an indoor orchid. How can we help you with it, Freda?
4: Oh, thanks, Scott. Um, look, I have this white indoor orchid. It's called the Phalaenopsis.
2: Yes, absolutely, and yeah.
4: It It's flowered one year, but it hasn't flowered this year, and it's it's just lost its shine, and the leaves are drooping. I bought some fertiliser, some orchid fertiliser, and it hasn't responded. And I don't know what to do. It looks like it's dying.
2: Okay. Now, tell me about, they like to be really well-drained. So, tell me about the sort of soil and the pot you've got it in.
4: Well, I've got it in a plastic pot. And I usually only water every two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And the soil, um, I just added some some rough mulch to it uh, to the original soil that was in it when I bought
2: it. Yep, yep. Look, sounds like you're but doing that's... sounds like you're doing all the right things because they do like a really well-drained soil. Uh, every couple of weeks, might need a little bit more water than that. Uh, I'd probably go with every yeah. week on your phalaenopsis. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, and I've got a couple at my place on the uh, on the table. And they're facing towards the north and they get dappled sunlight coming in in summer. And then in winter, the deciduous trees lose all their leaves and it gets a really nice warm heat coming through there in winter. So that sounds like a that's a really good, uh, you know, sort of spot to have it. Uh, have you got it in a place where it's, you know, in a lot of shade inside or is it getting some sunlight?
4: Well, I guess this is the morning sunlight out and the blind and the sunlight comes through Gets that filtered sunlight. Mm-hmm. Yep. But is it normal for them to lose, lose their leaves, do you think?
2: Yeah, look, every now and again, mine have sort of yellowed off a couple of the bottom ones, but I found that there's really nice new green ones coming out of the top. And uh, with the flowering on them, usually, you know, they get that stem coming up and you actually have to cut them back down to where we call it the node. And it's sort of right. where you can see a little funny thing coming out of there. But it might have been a bit late now for you to do that. It's probably worth mm. just um, you know, watering it a little bit more regularly and, yeah, and uh, yeah. giving it just the fertiliser, as it says on the instructions, and, uh, yeah. and maybe even a little bit more light if you can find a, a space in the house that can give it a touch more light.
4: It's set out all these aerial roots. What do I do with those?
2: Yeah, no, look, that's fine. That's exactly what they do. Uh, don't worry I about have- those. You can just leave them be if you want to.
4: Yeah, right. Yep, and don't Bye-bye. and don't think
2: oh it needs to be repotted or anything like that because uh, no. you know, that's what they do. They send out those aerial roots. Uh, the roots on um. an, on an orchid really are just for clinging to the branches of trees. Uh, um. Yeah, because you know they're called epiphyllites. They they like to live on the branches of the trees in the rainforest, and uh, that's where they do their best. And obviously they don't like being in really heavy, uh, you know, wet sort of soil.
5: Mm. All
4: right.
2: Well, thank you very much. Okay. Well, good luck with it there, Frida.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: I think it's Yvonne from Nora Head, and she's got a question about passion fruits. How can we help you with it, Yvonne?
4: Well, look, um, since about um, oh, December, I've got this passion fruit was actually coming over from next door and covered my whole fence, and I have got... It is must in flowers all the time, but it never goes in passion fruit. They just drop off. What is the matter?
2: Uh, it sounds like it, it It needs a bit of a feed. Uh, it, it's, in a way, the plant might be sort of getting ahead of itself there. You know, it's growing, 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 and they putting out all those flowers, and, uh, you know, they, they can't uh, support those flowers on there. Uh, often potash is a fantastic uh, product to uh, use. Uh, it uh, promotes the uh, strength of the flowers, and therefore, the, you know, you get better fruit and more of it on the plant. Uh, so if you can get some potash and try and water that in the soil, you might have to get a ladder and sort of lean over the fence and... Uh, water into the next-door neighbours <laughs> rather than well, on your well, side of the I, fence.
4: I think I will have to because uh, I hardly ever see them, they work. Yeah. And it's the most magnificent passion fruit. I and flowers are incredible, but never. as soon as the flowers start to droop, they just
2: fall off. Yeah, that sounds like what it's going to be. Look, when you're using potash, it's not uh, you know, a one-off sort of cure-all. Uh, you have to start using it regularly you know, every couple of weeks and building that up in the soil. And what you'll find, it might not help necessarily straight away, but for next season's crop, you'll get more fruit and much better quality. The flowers won't be dropping off like that. Okay. Often, right, often then. the flowers dropping off is a sign of stress as well. Uh, you know, the plant will do. You know, it sets the fruit, the flower, and then if it goes, oh no, I'm stressed about something. The first thing it'll do is drop its fruit because it wants to survive.
4: Okay then. All right then, Scott. Thank you very much.
2: Okay. Good luck with the next door neighbours, Yvonne. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Okay. Bye bye. I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm pretty sure they'll be fine as well. Should maybe take a pavlova or something next door, and all will be well. It's easy way to win people over. Oh, look, if my next-door neighbours
0: brought me pabs, I'd be happy. <laughs> We've got Dennis now from Belmont North, and he's got another question about magnolias. How can we help you with it, Dennis?
6: Hi, uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Scott, I was talking to you about a magnolia. Yeah. I had a bug on it. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a big bug. I mean, you could grab hold of them. Um, and you su- suggested putting confidor. Yes. In a tablet form.
2: Yes, you can certainly so do that.
6: I put two of them in the ground. Yep. And then I suppose within, and I warded it, and within, oh, I don't know, four days, um, I could see the leaves starting to droop. Right. Now it's, I imagine it would be about three weeks ago. I'm looking at it now, and it's two branches, two main ones, and one of them's completely defoliated. And the other ones are not too far beyond it.
4: Yeah. The centre
6: ones are all black, and um, could that be the confidore?
2: Well, oh, look, I, I doubt that very much, and especially only the two tablets. You use it according to the instructions on the back of the packet, mate. Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Look, I very much doubt the confidore would do that. Yeah. Uh, it must be something with the tree, uh, mate. You can't take some photos of it and send it to us uh, via our email address, can you? Yeah, and uh, Greg now is uh, he's uh, like remember Sale of the century is like Delvin Delaney here today. He's going to give us the email address.
0: I'm, like, I'm not quite sure if I like the comparison to Delvin Delaney, <laughs> but uh, our email address is gardening at 2 dot com.
2: He said that with a flourish of his hand as well, then so he did. It, he did it very, very nicely. <laughs>
6: Right, that's but if you can
2: send us some photos, even a couple of close-ups of those branches as well, I'll see if I can have a better attempt at it for you. But I wouldn't think it's going to be the or That's very, very unusual.
6: Okay. Another good one. Um, if we've got time. Um, when you get scale, yes. what what sort of critter lays the scale, or is it a moth, or...?
2: No, the, the scales actually is the insect. And if you were to very carefully peel back the little scale shell, you'll find in underneath there, there's actually a tiny little insect. Looks a bit like a baby alien in there. Sort of, it's uh, like a little crab almost. It's very, very small and uh, it, it's living in, the, in underneath there and it creates that waxy shell to protect itself while it's sucking the sap out of the plant.
6: Oh, and, and what actually lays it?
2: No, no nothing. They, they just get uh, borne around by the wind.
6: Oh, really? So yeah, they're yeah. that small?
2: Yeah, they get they get blown around. They land on your plant. That's when they latch on and they start to form that waxy shell.
6: And they like the shade. Yeah, look, they uh, seem to be more on the lower parts of the plant.
2: Yeah, that that's probably Shady true. Uh, you know, uh, just where they're a little bit protected from the sun. You know, because they will dry out as well like that. So if you need to get rid of scale, you can use white oil if you want to. Uh, those confidor tablets can get rid of some of the scales as well. Don't
6: <laughs> worried
2: about that. No, don't you be worried <laughs> about that. <laughs> Okay, I'll give that a go. Okay, and Dilbin's sure. going to give us the email address once again. <laughs> it's gardening at 2 wrfmcom There we go. <laughs> All right, thanks
6: very much, gentlemen.
2: Thanks,
0: Dennis. Bye. It's a good idea to send the pictures into us, though. That way, you can get a bit more of an understanding. Yeah, sometimes the description is a little bit um, clouded, but the, um, the visual aid helps. Yeah, we we like to get there that way. That's, I'm just as so surprised about where scale comes from. Yeah they're, just born, nowhere. yeah,
2: they're just born around by... Well, they're little insects, and they're just born around by the wind. Maybe they are aliens. They could be aliens. I don't want to throw that out there, but maybe they are. They, they could be. There's a few alien movies coming out at the
0: moment. Well, yeah, maybe that's just a little bit of... That's where they got the idea from. Maybe. Who knows? Yes. We've gone too much yeah, into I'm, that. I'm all creepy-crawly <laughs> now. <laughs> We've got time for one more call, I think, Scott. We've got Irene from Neath. And she'd like to know the best way to grow a rose from
2: a rose cutting. Hey, Irene...
4: Hello, how are you, gentlemen? We're, we're very.
2: Oh, that's three. This is three yeah. people today. Right.
4: Three, well, what else can we
2: say? Oh. <laughs> well, look and look. And if you were here and you're about to walk through the door, Greg or I would be holding it open for you. And if there was a a muddy sort of puddle, Greg would tear off his jacket and throw it in front of you for <laughs> you, you to walk. through. Oh my
5: goodness! <laughs> no, I I have inherited the most beautiful old rose in my garden when I bought the house and I would love to grow a cutting from it. <laughs> what is the best time and the best way to do it?
2: Look, the answer is yes, you can do it. Uh, it's, it's quite simple to grow rose cuttings. Uh, now it's probably not the best time as they're going to start to become dormant as we go through autumn and into winter and the best time is obviously in uh, you know August and September and any time thereafter. Okay. So now you just take your cuttings, uh, and then you get some uh, rooting powder, some uh, hormone powder, and you dip it in that, and then you stick them into uh, just propagation mix. But the main thing to do is to leave them uh, for quite some time, if you've done a rose cutting, you know, up to a year, so that the roots spread out properly in there for you. Right.
4: And can you use honey instead of root powder?
2: I guess you can if you want to. I've heard of that as well. I don't yes, I don't okay. actually understand why it works, but, um, you know, I guess I, I must. I don't either. Yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah well, yeah. I'll try either. Yes. And at the best time
4: is August or September.
2: Most certainly, yeah. Just when you see the plant starting, you know, the sap stream starting to run in the plant. If you were to cut it now, you'd sort of just have this dormant plant, uh, you know, sitting in soil, and it's actually probably just die back on you.
5: Yes, okay. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, not a problem, Irene. Okay, thank you. Okay, you have a good bye. afternoon. You too, bye. Bye-bye.
2: It's gentlemen, three times in a row today. I know it's. A, I'm, I'm really quite chuffed about that yeah. that people think that way about.
0: It. Although I think again, if they saw us with a visual aid, they would not be calling us gentlemen. <laughs>
2: it's the way we dress. I think so. Maybe, maybe we should, we should suit up next week. Well, maybe we should. So, if if that, if Iron is walking through a uh, you know a muddy puddle, you can tear off your smoking jacket and toss it there for On the it, uh, to walk over. Rather than get his shoes I've dirty. I've never done that before. Haven't you? No. Oh, look, I'm sure it's a great way to uh, impress the ladies, mate. I'm going to start doing it. You might have to do that. I'll have
0: to start pouring some puddles around everywhere, <laughs> just so I can make them walk out for this. Okay, Friday night might be an ideal time for that. Well, I'm loving the rain at the moment, put it that way. <laughs> have you got
2: anything else before us, Before you guys got? Oh, we could just go over a couple of uh, quick little plant facts. I always like looking at these. Yeah, I, I love a good fact. I love the weird and wonderful plant facts. Uh, now apparently we've got eighty thousand species of edible plants here. Eighty thousand. Eighty thousand. But guess what? Ninety percent of human foods come from just thirty plants. Oh. Yeah. And we've got all these other things we can be, we could be showing ed- down on. Yeah. But for medicine or medicine, we actually use about seventy thousand plant species. Seventy. Seventy thousand plant species for different medicines. Yeah. But we only eat from quite just such a few. Oh. Yeah. So from thirty th- plants. So I guess the lettuce. Tomatoes, I mean, you could almost count them on your hand, couldn't you? Lettuce, tomatoes, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> and uh, look, and as far as medicine goes, uh, rainforest plants, uh, well, we've only studied about 1% of rainforest plants for uh, medicinal potential. So, you know, there's still quite a lot of, uh, you know, potential out there uh, for medicine to, uh, from plants to, uh, you know, help us out as a, as, a, as a race. So who knows what's out there? We have no idea. Oh. But we better carry up because we are cutting down you know lots of that rainforest very quickly true it's all going to go to yeah waste we could be i don't know cutting down the cure for. The common cold. We, we could be doing that, absolutely. And unfortunately, you know, plants usually, you know, if they're growing in an area, that's the only place they're going to grow. It's not like, you know, you get a, a plant growing in Brazil and it naturally has another habitat over in Surrey yep. or, or, you know, west of Brisbane or something you like know, that. Or Moscow. Moscow, yeah. So they only grow in that one spot. So, you know, if you do plant down, you know, cut down the habitat of a plant, it, you know, it might not be a good thing. Okay, fair enough. You got any more facts there for us? Well, actually, about eighty percent of the Earth's original forests have been uh, cleared or destroyed. Eighty percent. Eighty percent. So we're we're doing a pretty good job. I mean, that's in the last eight thousand years or so since you know humans have been sort of toddling around on the yeah. Earth. We do a pretty good job of reckoning things up when you think about it. We do a fantastic job. Yeah, and in the last hundred years, I think we've even done a better job of it. <laughs> we're speeding up the process. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, it's,
0: that's a shame. It is a bit of Yeah, eighty percent. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go plant a tree. You know what? I'm not going to pull that tomato plant out of oh, my lawn. Oh, is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. Oh, you have to mow around it. I you haven't get, got rid of it.
2: You have the scissors down there cutting the grass you around it. trimming all so around it. Oh, and... very nice. Just so that's one more plant. Well, there we go. There's the... You only need 29 plants in your garden to eat from then. I can, and it's my way of sticking
0: it to the man as well. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Scott up. We're out of time. See you next week. Likewise. If you did miss out on anything, you can check our podcast on 2 com, and also send us an email at gardening at 2inyourwirefm